0: Thank you, Robert. Really appreciate you being part of XRO, which is India's first AR, VR, MR podcast. So to my audience who don't know about you, I'm going to give like a little brief introduction, right? So so Robert Scobble is a blogger, technology evangelist, author, and he's been part of companies such as Microsoft, Fast Track, and Rackspace. He's currently the chief strategy officer at Infinite Retina and has a new book with the same title, co-authored. By Arina Cronin. That, that that's the book. That's the book. yeah So, so, so yeah. uh, 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 Rob, it's a pleasure and honor to have you on Exelon podcast. It even has pictures. <laughs> really appreciate you doing this. So, so let's just, since, since you popped up the book in front of the screen. So let's start about the book. So, what's the book about? Are you? Yeah. What is spatial computing?
1: Well, it, it's uh, interesting that we wrote it in this before the COVID hit and. I was. Irina and I were noticing a whole lot of technology trends. You know, uh, the iPhone this year is going to get a 3D sensor on the back, right? Um, we saw uh, warehouses starting to automate. We saw autonomous cars starting to get to the place where, yeah, it's still a few years away, but... Right they're starting to work, you know? And so it's starting to move out of uh, science fiction and and, uh, R&D labs into actual uh, things you can drive around, right? And so, and we saw the billions of dollars that Apple and Facebook and Magic Leap and others were spending on augmented reality glasses or, or headsets, and VR headsets. And so we saw all these trends happening, a year, you know, two years ago, and we started doing reporting. And, and we quickly identified seven industries that are going to see radical change uh, over the next decade because of these technologies, right? So we, 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 we write about fintech, transportation, retail, healthcare... Um, Uh, education, entertainment and telecom and there's one more that I'm flaking out on right now but um, we started talking to people in each of these industries and uh, understanding what they were using VR for or using augmented reality for and then uh, where they were using uh, AI or uh, 3D sensors and we were uh, we, we, we saw quite a few things happening so that that's what the book's about. Seven industries that are going to see uh, real change in the next decade. Now the virus, and and we were talking before the the before we started recording, the virus just um, plowed the field. It 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 shed a lot of jobs and caused a lot of change very, very quickly. And it got a lot of people up to date. What where you and I probably were last year, right? We, right? I did all the interviews on Zoom for the last year and a half. So I've been using Zoom, you know, for two years now, really hardcore. Now my school teachers are on Zoom, my right? kids school teachers, right? Um I've been using uh, e-commerce for a decade, right? Uh, ordering things and having them do- delivered. Uh, Uber was embedded literally in front of me, right? So, you uh, a pair of snowstorm, right? So, I've known about these things for a long time. Now, everybody is up to date, right? It, uh, because you don't want to go into stores sometimes. You you order things on on your mobile phone, or have them delivered, or uh, even when you go to uh, fast food now, you order it on your phone, you drive up, and they bring it up to the car so you don't have to go inside, right? And so, all of a sudden, a lot of people got on Zoom, and got on e-commerce, got on mobile phone, got got updated, right, And, and got to the same place. So now I don't have to worry about convincing a school teacher to try Zoom. They are there. Now we have to convince them to try VR or try AR. And that's, uh, I think that's going to have sped up the 2020s quite a bit because of all these things happening.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and you rightfully pointed out. I guess I mean because of COVID nineteen or all the digital technologies. I mean, it's accelerated whatever was on a creeping mechanism, like AI, IoT, blockchain, AR, VR, MR. Now everybody is talking about digital. Everybody is understood that. Importance of digitizing, especially schools, right? I mean, everybody is like, there's suddenly, I mean, there are Zoom, you know, going on because everybody has jumped on Zoom. But like you rightfully pointed out, you know, these are incremental steps. You know, even right now, uh, the teachers are are completely unprepared, even, you know, doing classes on Zoom. The internet lets you down. Even
1: in Silicon Valley, they're unprepared.
0: Right, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and by the way, so so are
1: the kids. Um, I heard one of my teachers was talking, and 20% of the kids in rich Silicon Valley, right, don't have Wi-Fi at home. Oh, wow. right? So how are they going to get on Zoom call with their school teacher, right? Uh, much less get on Google Classroom or or get on uh, Seesaw or any of these other apps where education is being delivered to kids, right? And then and then we haven't even started thinking about, oh, all the kids that are falling through the cracks right now because we don't have a way to make sure that they're included, right? They're, they're there's so many kids falling through the cracks and there's many kids who are not getting fed the way that the school used to feed them during the middle of the day at least. So they get at least one meal, right? Now there's kids who are uh, falling through the cracks that way. So there's a lot of new societal problems that got exposed by the COVID while we're really seeing the, the cracks in the technology and seeing where uh, the lack of investment and the lack of understanding and lack of education on technology has uh, um, uh, uh, left us with n- new problems. I mean, school teachers never were a, h- a hardcore technologist, right? That's not why they went into teaching. I, I had these arguments for decades, but I was on my uh, 26-year-old's uh, technology committee in you know, the 20 years ago, and... I saw it firsthand that the school teachers were, were just not technology people. And this is one of the reasons that BC never invested in it because there's very, very little way for the school teacher to adopt technology. Well, now they're hungry for technology because they're stuck at home. And that's changing, right? So, that, so there's a lot of things that are just happening real fast because, because of COVID um, plowing this field and getting, and getting everybody up to date. Really
0: right, Really right. So, so yes, I guess we're living in interesting times, you know, because see, us, I mean, you know, the, the ones who are vested in AR-VR space, we we so ahead. And, and then, you know, I've had some experiences, you know, when I've been doing these live interviews on a 2D flat screen, I'm not even talking about the 3D world, and I'm having so much problems, you know. So, like you rightfully so pointed out, you know, there are school students who don't even have Wi-Fi. Now, India has another problem altogether, right? We have 1.3 billion people. Now, yes, thanks to this company called... Geo, because of them a large number uh, of the population, close to around 600 or 700 million have internet and bandwidth because they've got the price points really, really low. But we still have like around close to, you know, 500 million plus or, or, or 400 million plus, which is still, they don't have internet access, you know? So yes, yeah. I, I, I guess, you know the,
1: the- If they can't afford internet access, which here in the United States sounds around $50 a month for a fiber line, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> My packets are coming through a, a fiber line finally, which is really beautiful bandwidth. But you know, my Oculus Quest is four hundred dollars in the United States, right? So if people can't afford that, they they certainly can't afford VR and the, and the Hololens is at uh, thirty five hundred dollars, right? Yes. And, and this is it, it's why we, before before we started recording, I said you know VR and AR are really still three, four, five, six years away from, from rich white guys in America using <laughs> it. You, could you imagine the slums in India? No, we're talking 10, 20 years from now that, that they'll get cheap enough devices to get everybody on board,
0: Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, Yeah. so So. yes. Um, um, it might I, actually happen faster than mobile I definitely think so. I, I definitely feel that it's going to have, the adoption is going to be definitely much faster than maybe 10 years or 20 years. Maybe I, I do wish that it's faster, but yeah, you rightfully pointed out that there's so many drawbacks, the price points, right? I mean, yeah. the, the reason possibly magically didn't work is because they went to consumer and it, it, it's right now, it's a B2B zone. It's not consumer ready at all. You You, if you pointed out like a $400 for an Oculus now, how many how many people would, will be able to afford that? Right, like, that's the privileged class who would who will be able to afford it. So yes, there are there are things which is happening which is quite interesting here, even in India. Like like I pointed out to the company called Geo, they have bought internet like dirt cheap, right? They, yeah. they they are also working on building a VR headset and MR headset, which to the price point is going to be really, really interesting. So, so there are yeah. really interesting things happening. By
1: the way, this is why the companies are spending billions of dollars. And and what technology does is make expensive things cheap over time, right? Uh, Steve Wozniak who started Apple Computer... Um, in 1989, showed me the first color printer in Silicon Valley. It was a, a, a dye sublimation printer, and it cost $45,000 back then, right? And, um, and he had uh, a 400 megabyte RAM drive to run Photoshop 1.0, and that also cost $45,000. And today, a $70 printer does a way better job than that printer, you know, it's 2020 now, right? So 20 years later, and your iPhone has way much more RAM, or or uh, even a Huawei, you know, cheap phone has way much more RAM than 400 megabytes. So the price has come way down because of Moore's law, and that's what the technology industry does. So we're just talking about years. Right. If you can't afford the four hundred dollar headset today, it'll be cheaper in a year, and cheaper in a, yet in a year, and cheaper yet in a year, and so we can sort of track or predict how fast that price slope is going to fall. And I, I think when we get to glasses, the the people who are building the components for the glasses are. Saying it's going to be cheaper to build a pair of glasses that gives you a really big virtual screen and a three D sensor and microphone and speaker in it than it is to build a phone because the the screen on the phone costs about you know forty to a hundred dollars.
0: Right? right. Right. So so yes, I mean the technology is growing in an exponential space, and I believe the price points also are coming down. So and I wish and I pray that those price points come really down where a common man will be able to buy an AR, or VR glasses. Now, you know, nobody's going to just go and buy an AR, VR glasses, right? There's got to be a narrative which is compelling for the end user. The, the, besides the price point, it's got to be compelling. And, and and there's got, I mean, the narrative of nobody wants a, a glasses, right? I mean, I, I don't really understand why the, the people who are vested in AR, VR are, 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 keeping on saying that apple's gonna push drive adoption like who's gonna wear glasses i mean you're, you're, I uh, do. yeah no but that's because you know th- those are do. no that's prescription glasses right now i Apple, know but that's that's what apple's going after no i, I know that i know that but that's got, <laughs> there there's got to be a compelling story for the world to say, okay, I'm gonna wear a glasses full day. So A, there's gotta be a compelling story. There's gonna be utility, which has got to be more than the computer and a mobile phone put together, which converges on that and the price point. So I believe if once these three things comes together, then you can say
1: And it might be several years. The first the first Apple Glass will probably get you and me to buy it partly that to have something to say, but partly because these industries are, are really moving at a pretty fast rate. New, new things come out on the Oculus Quest every day. And if you're in business and you don't understand what a call lens is, um, you know, there are people who are using it in business and, and saving billions of dollars with it, right? So, um the problem is, I mean you know if I go and grab my HoloLens, it's, it's big and ugly and right. heavy and, and the battery doesn't last very long and the screens aren't very sharp and the cameras aren't very good, right the 3d sensors in the, in the, in the beginning in the front of it that's all going to change in the next two, three years right. um, there's already people who are testing out glasses that look like this that give you a, a new visual screen that's pretty sharp and pretty bright. And that's a huge change. And that'll be, you know, retail price somewhere between $500 and $1,000. So, yeah, there's still, we're still going to have this argument for a while. Because $500, like you said, there's billions of people who can't afford that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it'll still be looked at as elitist or, or you know. But these glasses cost $1,500 and they don't do anything, Right? So, I mean, they're titanium frame. This is the best uh, lenses, the best coatings. They're progressive. They fix astigmatism and fix my nearsightedness. And, they're, and the lenses are very thin compared to 200 years ago. I mean, if I had glasses 100 years ago, they would be thick, thick, thick. Right. Glasses, right. right. So the that's the innovation that's happened in eyeglasses in a hundred years is the lenses have gotten better and the material that holds them together has gotten better. Right, it's titanium now. The t- titanium wasn't easy to manufacture for a long time. So um, you know, when Apple comes out with glasses, probably in twenty twenty two, they're going to have to they're going to go after this kind of thing, right? And there's going to be a lot of utility that they bring, particularly, particularly if you have an AirPod. Right. right. Start thinking about, oh, AirPods are turning spatial, right? So I'm going to be able to hear s- sound coming from different places. So this microphone might sound like it's talking to me, you know, in the future. Right. About that. Even <laughs> if I turn my head, you know, my iPhone can be It'll tell me where my iPhone is no matter where I turn my head, right? Because it's tracking where the iPhone is in space and doing that just with the ears. Now I add visual to it where it has a 3D map of the space you're in. And now you can put all sorts of things visual on top of the walls, the floors, in in air, right? And I can have virtual monitors, which, you know, once you start getting virtual monitors – the game really changes. Right. Uh, if I have a watch, a virtual, a virtual monitor can come up here, right? So, um, yeah A lot of utility is coming. Exactly. And yeah, we even started talking about healthcare because these things are going to have a lot of sensors to understand you. In fact, the laser on the Apple one will look inside your eye, look at the back of your eye, and know whether you have a, a certain uh, kind of disease, right? And it'll make your eyes better, right? right. right. And people are like, oh, why, why do I... Do well, you know, if you have a 3D scan of your entire house, uh, you can walk around at night without turning on the lights with the yeah. glasses. Right. The glasses will know where it is in space and will know the 3D space, and I'll show you, it'll show you how to get around. And... The LIDAR is 300,000 points of data. There's going to be a little LIDAR on it, uh, 300,000 points of data. So as you walk around, it'll show you all sorts of stuff
0: yes yeah, so, so yes I'm, I'm super excited with the, the possibilities of, of what an Apple AR glasses might be able to do in the future and I the, the reason I've been invested in AR VR since uh, 2016 I mean uh, is because I knew the potential of what it can do it can, it, yeah. it, it, it can take us from a, a 2d flat medium into the 3d spatial world you know and help us experience things like how we experience things in the real life, right? That's spatial computing. Yeah, obviously, I'm pretty much excited about it, but I do know that the current technology comes with a, a certain kind of drawbacks. And then for that, I think all of the vested players need to break the the, ways, way, the way they perform or work of the silos and come together. And, 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 and I think that that's the future and that's when innovation will get accelerated, you know, rather than being a very centralized
1: Remember the first cell phones? They were they were big. They were like yeah, this right. and the only people who could afford them were real estate agents or executives, right? And they would uh, put them in their car. They would somebody would install one in the, in the middle of their car so that, that they could make a phone call, you know, while driving around. Well, today, you know, <laughs> this is a lot cheaper, a lot smaller, a lot you can carry around with you, right? And and it does a lot more. Right. Yeah. Then those early phones, those early phones only made phone calls. This one shows me the weather, orders me a taxi cab. Right. Let's go. Okay. Yeah, okay. Watch video. Right. Blah 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 blah.
0: Yeah, exactly. so, and the same
1: thing is going to happen in the glass. The drawbacks that we talk about—whether it's the weight or the ugliness or the big size or the cost—over the next decade, most of those go away. And you know, so a decade from now, you and I are both wearing glasses, and we're, and we're maybe standing in front of a 3D sensor, maybe from our phone or, for, or something else, you know, a little webcam on a stick that's imaging us in 3D. And then we get to play, you know, yeah. all sorts of things <laughs> together, right? And instead of being stuck on this flat, right. there's a, like a flat wall between us. Well, if we're in VR, we can play Frisbee with each other or we can design a car or we can uh, walk around a molecule. I've already done that in uh, a VR app called Nano, right, where where, um, uh, some scientists walked me around the virus so I could actually understand and see the virus and understand the chemical structures of the virus and how it attacks the human body. And they're using this to design drugs, right? And right. and to uh, understand how it actually attaches to the human lungs and how it uh, how it uh, attacks our human bodies, right? And and you can see it when it's blown up that big and it's in three D and you can spin it with your hands and you can walk inside of it, right? It's really mind blowing. What's what's here? It's just these devices are early. Yeah. Right, we're in the stage of uh, the the these devices are for the the realtor, right? It's it's not for everybody yet. That's gonna that's gonna start changing in the next twenty four months in a big way.
0: Right. Yeah. So so I'm pretty much excited about that, and I do see that uh, the way the, this technology is growing. Uh, like you said, it's gonna. Uh, Help all uh, all industry sectors. So, so you in your book you point out very clearly that there's seven industries that will see radical changes in, in 2020. Do you yeah. want to run us through one or two industries and, and, yeah. and, the, and the use cases?
1: Yeah. I mean, we talk about, um, and by the way, spatial computing is not just AR. It's all computing that you, a robot or a a virtual human, a virtual being, can move through, right? Augmented reality makes sense because you're moving through, there's things on the walls, there's things on the floor, and you're walking through the computing. It's very different than, you know, looking at computing on a flat screen, right? But an autonomous car works the same way. It images the street in 3D. It starts quantifying what's on the street in, with AI. So it sees a stop sign or a stoplight or uh, a bike path or mm, a kid or a crowd or whatever. And it, so it shows – my Tesla shows me all that as I'm driving around, right? And it's already starting to drive, um, without my assistance in a lot of places now it's you know we can argue whether today it's level two or level three level five is a car can drive around without a human in it and drive everywhere right we're not there yet but we can start seeing okay in the next decade that's going to start coming right and and then some of the interviews we did were with like Sebastian Thrun, who ran the Google team that t- did this for a long time, and we started thinking about and now runs Udacity and, and uh, Kitty Hawk, which is making a flying uh, right. drone. Right. And we start thinking about how cities are changing and how um, how business is going to change. Even I, I work for some uh, consumer goods companies, and they're thinking about oh. They're not going to come in, our soft drink sales are going to be different in the future because uh, you're not going to go to a gas station and be sitting there, you know, pumping gas and then going inside the mini-mart to buy uh, your the soft drink. Your autonomous car is going to go to the, to the electric charger and plug in itself, right? Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. So, I, you... <laughs> And then you start thinking about, well, why do you need so many parking spaces in cities, right? And and how would a city change? How will real estate values change? Because now people can live a little further away from a, a city where the job is and have the car drive them in, you know? And at the same time, we're getting augmented reality glasses, so we can work more at home, and so that so it's, things are trying to change. Trends are changing. Right? How we live as human beings can change, right? And, that, and that's a little um, weird to think about. But but the, the bleeding edge thinkers are already thinking about this and arguing it out every day, right? Um, and building models. MIT had a whole model of a city, and they could study what happens if you get rid of cars, what happens if you uh, get more citizens on bicycles, what, what what businesses go away, what businesses thrive when, when something like that changes, and they, so... So these R&D labs are already modeling and starting to understand what's going to change in society um, because of these new technologies, right? And and a lot is going to change. In America, it's the number one job is driving a truck. Well, if in 15 years that job is going away, what is happening? How do we have to retrain? What kind of policies do we need? Um, You know, uh, uh, how is it going to change America, right? Because... Right now, a truck driver has to stop every, you know, 8 to 10 hours uh, to take a nap or take a, to get food, right? And so all these little towns across America are serving this uh, transcontinental trucking industry that exists. Uh, when I did my road trip, we saw hundreds of thousands, thousands of trucks driving across America, right, and bringing goods to different cities, um, factory owners are starting to think about that, right? I, I met one factory owner who said I already moved my factory near to near to an interstate, so a self-driving truck can get to my factory faster and more efficiently, and get back on the interstate. And that means I can serve with one factory a bigger uh, region, right? So it's like, whoa, there's a lot of change coming in the next decade, right? And and the factory itself is starting to use robots to uh, uh, produce things, right? And even if a human is uh, uh, still working, they're being assisted by the robot and with augmented reality glasses, it's teaching them things and it's letting them uh, do remote uh, assistance where they can call somebody and get some help with a machine that they're having trouble with or something like that, right? So a lot of changes are coming and, and are already underway. I mean, I, we saw many of these changes happening on, before COVID. Now the world is going to be uh, coming out of this COVID when it, eventually uh, and, and rebuilding in you know, a rebuilding phase. And there's going to be many more of these uh, automation t- tools uh, being used in factories and the transportation so that's just a little bit i mean retail stores are starting to change and, and uh, amazon has a store called amazon go where you go in and grab a bag of chips and leave and, it, and there's no people there's no checkout it, it watches you with hundreds of sensors and so though that, that guy grabbed a bag of chips it charges you automatically um uh, and um so that's changing retail, right? When I worked in retail, I, I couldn't conceive of such a store because the technology just was so science fiction. Now it's becoming real. And so, you know, my friend just took a job at Walmart, and he's he's uh, uh, thinking about rebuilding the store from scratch, right? Yeah. Uh, because of these technologies that are going to change how we, Buy things and how we eat, and our expectation. Maybe we don't even go to the store very much anymore. We we get a virtual store where we get to see the virtual goods in three D in our glasses, and then we say, "Okay, Walmart, deliver that." Right. Um, so he has to think about changing human behavior, changing technology, and then even in the store, what's possible now with these cameras and this new, and this new AI that's going to watch everything and how do you make the store more fun more efficient right get you know and, and um yeah I, it, it's a never-ending process right? Was, right this is yeah. 10 years from now we'll be talking about even more change right, right. it's right. an exponential change coming it's not going to stop
0: yep yeah. yep yeah. Yeah. so so yes i mean completely excited for the future you pointed about kitty Hawk, the flying drone i mean so excited i mean when do we get to see a flying drone <laughs> that's, that's, oh, I've seen yeah. one it's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know yeah I mean it's, it's commercially viable like Uber Uber is trying to do that right and and, and then autonomous vehicles right that's going to be so yeah. exciting we have startups over here who's doing some really really cool stuff and we've reached level 3 and they're working on level 5 automation and that's that's really really exciting and, and, and you and you spoke about uh, automation right currently I think in America close to 50 million odd people are jobless because of COVID. In India, we have somewhere around 120 million jobless because of COVID. Right now with the fourth industrial revolution, which is you know, just creeping up, you know, COVID has kind of like pushed it right up there. All of these technologies, which was in a creeping mechanism, suddenly has come to the fore. You know, everybody's talking about now your know, AI or, or autonomous vehicle and so on and so forth, right? Now, we have we, we already been impacted because of COVID 19. Do you see in the fourth industrial revolution and the automation where, you know, maybe in another five, ten years where we'll have autonomous trucks, autonomous cars, you know, would that be like a double whammy where there is? more people yeah. losing jobs, are we, as a society, prepared for the fourth industrial revolution?
1: No, and yes. <laughs> 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 no. Yeah, um, no, there's gonna, you know, jobs have always gone away. I, I worked on manufacturing line here in, in at H, HP when I was a kid, and that's now done in China, right? The job went away to China. Um. And we don't mind that too much, because it's a dismal job anyways. And um, there are going to be more job dislocations in the next decade than there were in the last decade. It's exponential, right? Um, But I see a lot of new jobs that just weren't possible before, uh, you know, from virtual movies to uh, these new kinds of stores, new kinds of robots. There's jobs on that side, but you need technical skills to get them, right? To, to be an AI AR developer, you need to know Unity or some sort of 3D engine, plus you need to know how to code, plus you need to know how to check in code, plus you need to know how to work with people on remote uh, technologies. And if you're a truck driver, you have none of those skills, right? So, right? so if I need to take a truck driver and make him somebody who can code AR, that's a hard problem, and I know it's possible. Right, yes, it. yes. But it takes three years, two years, uh, to take somebody non-technical, a truck driver, who, who thinks they don't know how to program and, and give them enough skills so that they can become, you know, a useful programmer, um, which means we need a new policy in, in the world. We, we need new funding so that the truck driver can, you know, have two or three or four years in school without worrying about putting food on the table, right? I call that the new GI Bill. Um, I wish we would talk more about that kind of thing instead of the, you know, guaranteed minimum income kind of thing, because we clearly can't pay everybody in the world to stay at home yet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we still need people to do things in the world, right? So we still need to, take people out of a non-technical old job into the new world and new new job. And that's a scary process for a lot of people to get their head around because people don't like change. People don't like being told they're going to get laid off. I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest with the truck driver. The truck driver, your job is going to be gone in in 15 years, maybe in India 30, right? Because it's a poorer neighborhood. You're not going to get the computer. But I guarantee you, the, the truck drivers themselves are going to buy the computer right. because it makes their job better. They can go further, right? They can do more things and they'll never kill somebody again by falling asleep and wrecking a big million dollar truck. Right. And so the, the, the trucker, the, the people who hire truckers are going to uh, invest in this stuff and, and adopt it at a pretty fast rate when it comes right? I mean, my car drives like this already. It's life-changing. It saves your life. I I, was on uh, the freeway the other day, and somebody cut in front of me, and my car went into the next lane automatically, right? So, save it saved me from getting an accident, right? Because he didn't see me. So, why doesn't everybody want a car like that?
0: So, so, can you talk about GI Bill? You said, I mean, you know, yeah. you're not, you're pro, you, you, you know, basically. That's an American term. So, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, my dad took my family
1: from poverty to where I'm sitting with billionaires in Silicon Valley in one generation by going to school, right? He was the first in the family to go to college. To get the well to go to college, he went to the army for three years, I think actually four. Then the army gave him the GI Bill, which paid for his school and made school free, right? And gave him some other uh, assistance. And that was what enabled him to go to university and get a PhD and get our family from poverty in, into the middle class, or even upper middle class in one generation. And so it's, um, we, we need the same thing in the world where we're gonna take a, a non-technical family and get them to go to school, learn something new so that they can be playing in this world,
0: right? Right, right, interesting. So, so what are your views on since, since, since you said guaranteed income or uh, this thing? What are your views on universal basic income? Because I heard that my- uh, trying
1: to I, I really, I really hate that idea. I mean, <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why human beings need a purpose in life right. and need to be uh, incented to do things rather than just sit around on their couch. And, you know, I I, I, I took my kids on this 9,000-mile road trip, so we got to meet a lot of different communities and, and see diff- different things. And we already have guaranteed minimum income for the Native Americans here. And we put them in reservations and when, and then we give them a little paycheck so they can feed themselves and not have to work and it's a dismal community you know, very high instance of alcoholism yeah very hopeless kind of community no no future no fun very you, you go there and you feel a you feel depression you feel you feel like this is not a place where i want to be i want to live i don't want my kids to live like this And I think that's going to be true for a long time. Jobs are not going away, you know, um, as much as I, I can tell you certain jobs are going away, and many jobs might go away, but there's going to be many new jobs on the other side to do new things with new ideas, right? And it's hard to talk about that because I'm seeing my son is building entire cities in virtual reality, yeah. right, in, in rec room and stuff like that. And there's millions of rooms and new things to do and new costumes and new, all virtual. Right? And people can't see that as a job. But to me, that's the new job of the future is to create new entertainment, new things, new, new ideas, new products, right, all on 3D tools, That's gonna be a a big part of the economy in the future. But to get people into that, you you need this retraining. And if you're you're just getting a paycheck just to sit around, it encourages you to sit around, and that's very bad for the human mind. And so it's gonna create uh, communities where you have a lot of social unrest and a lot of uh, uh, mental problems. I'd rather not see that world, but it's an argument. Some people believe that that should be, you know, that's the way we should be. I, I think Mm -hmm. at least in my kid's life, you know, the next 30, 40, 50 years, there's so many things still to be done that, um, encouraging people just to become, you know, couch potatoes and sitting at home is, is a pretty hard thing. On the other hand, there will be dislocations. Right now we're seeing it. 40 million people in America alone are unemployed and are close to uh, uh, not being able to feed themselves, right? So yeah, make sure that they stay fed, you know, one. But fix the problem instead of just, you know, uh, putting a band-aid on the problem and trying to hide it. Because there's a deeper problem there where there's millions of people who can't feed their families right now, right? right but but it,
0: it, it, isn't the global uh, policymakers or politicians are just trying to, you know, like a make-do solution where just, you know, there should be like a band-aid, you know, that's about it. Because America, India, it's the same thing, right? I mean, we are questioning what's going to happen next. Why are we living in uncertain times? What did, what you as, you, uh, as, as a leader... Right.
1: If we had rational leadership, they one they would admit that global climate change is a real problem, and it's going to become more and more of a problem over the next decade and certainly the next three decades. So, oh, but on the other hand, we have a lot of jobless people, a lot of people who can't feed their family. Why not have a real infrastructure like a moonshot? I mean, America in the 60s, John Kennedy said, let's go to the moon and let's spend a fuckload of money to do it. I mean, 700,000 people participated in putting a man on the moon, right? And people forget about that. That it caused a lot of economic activity to happen, people building all sorts of things to put a man on the moon. So why can't we do the same thing for climate change? Oh, we need to put a solar panel on everybody's house, right? Um, Including the, the, the poorest houses. And right now there's satellites over our head taking picture of everybody's house and we're all at home so they can see the inefficient house. They can see the house that's leaking cold air into the hot air or hot air into the cold air, right? We can see that from satellite problem. So we have the data soon of every house in the world uh, that's inefficient. Let's rebuild those houses, right? That is a better idea than guaranteed minimum income, right? Because it helps our kids' lives and and maybe extends the uh, ability for humans to live on Earth a bit, right? Which seems to me to smart to me, you know? Um, I don't want my kids to have to face a dismal world where the, the world is going away, right? Yep. More and more people are fighting over f- fewer and fewer resources because we can't grow food anymore because it's hot and, and cities are getting, you know, underwater because the water's racing. rising. Those things might happen anyways, but let's spend a moonshot. Let's spend all of our wealth fixing those problems and building for them. And putting people, that's a better way to put people to work. At least you get an outcome at the end of it. Oh, we saved the world, you know? Instead of just giving people a $100 check. I mean, the checks that they're giving you aren't enough to keep you anyways in a house. I mean, you know, uh, I I watch every dollar in my house very carefully, and it costs about eh, $12,000 to keep a family of four in Silicon Valley maybe even more. Giving me $1,200, wow, they ain't going to keep me in this kind of lifestyle, right? So um, what am I going to do, live in my Tesla, you know? <laughs> live in my car? A lot of people are, and it's, it's really a bad problem, right? right. So uh, we need we need better solutions, you know? Here's a $1,200 check so you can eat some food. I mean, I, you know, that that is a band-aid on the problem. It keeps people from starving, which is great, but it doesn't solve the problem of these societal problems of joblessness and hopelessness, right? So why not do a moonshot where you spend a lot of money putting new windows on on houses here in America, right? My window is not a dual-plane window, so it's leaking heat into the atmosphere. It's inefficient, Put a solar panel on every house, right, so we need less uh less coal burned and less oil burned to put power in our computers right uh, let, and then let's look at other things to do that would help human beings I mean, you know i when I visited india i I sort of saw the slums there. And I compared it to here. We have a sewage treatment plant that costs $55 million for a very small community of people, 13,000, 20,000 people. So I see what infrastructure costs, right? And there's a lot of places in the world that can't afford that infrastructure. Right, right.
0: So let's build infrastructure and put in a lot of people to work, right? Yeah, yeah. So so yes, I, I, I but we don't have what
1: rational you know, does Donald Trump think like this? Fuck no, do Donald Trump's like <laughs> that. Fuck all these people. Let's just let's see what can we make another dollar tomorrow. You know, it's like, oh so I don't know. I, you know, how do we get rational politicians? Uh, you know, I, I think we need a new American dream, we need new new range of uh, leaders, and that's a tough one.
0: Right. Uh, that, that's, quite, that's quite a tough one. But I, I guess I hope that uh, now people come together because there are people who are dying. There are people, like you said, who don't have food on the table, right? And, and America is a privileged country. It's like India, Bangladesh, you know, South African country. That's a complete different story. You know? I, I don't think any country is prepared to be locked down for more than two months. You know, when where yeah. people are jobless, they don't know when their next income is going to come in. And if there's no money coming, they don't really know where they can get the food on the table for their kids. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. yeah. So so I, I think we're living in terrible times. You know,
1: yeah. And this is why you're seeing this conflict. Even in America, right? The, the Certain people are like, oh, fuck, wearing a mask in a store. Right? It's like, uh, why put on a mask so you don't have to close the store down in a month. right? But... You know, people don't aren't rational in this way. They don't listen to science, and they, and they then they hold on to uh, weird ideas. And on their side, you know, lock down, close down, because that's the best way to get back to work faster. It's a uh, there's no good answers here, you know?
0: Uh, yeah, 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 so, so yeah, that, that's, I think it's like a long, long conversation, obviously, you know, because there are so many yeah. problems and it's never ending. So anyway, going back to the spatial computing part, you know, you said your son's been building these virtual reality worlds there are so many <laughs> people like Facebook has got the social VR, uh, uh, platform. There is this yeah. new company called XR space from Taiwan. They're building the, uh, the social world called XR space. And then there's, there's so many others who are trying to build the ready player one, one world, you know, where we get into the th- 3d platform. Now, AR, VR, MR has really, uh, yeah, really, really I'm playing well, a
1: metaverse called uh, Somnium space, which, is, uh, uh it's like a, a valley, sort of like Silicon Valley, only it was built in Prague. <laughs> right. and, uh, it has mountains in it, right? And it has plots of land, it has water, and it has uh, cities that are evolving. inside people are building little building and build a museum or build a little store, virtual, right? And free. Right. And it's, sort of, it's sort of weird. And people are buying these plots of land in um, cryptocurrency. right? So they own a virtual piece of this metaverse and they're building, you know, buildings on top of it, (laughs) nightclubs, all sorts of fun stuff. And, and then if you and I were in there, we could talk to each other and play games with each other and, and uh, high five each other. Right. Um, And have some of the human interaction that we would have if, if we were able to go to a conference or whatnot. right? Right. And so that's pretty exciting. It's pretty weird. A lot of people around the world like hear that and they're like, Oh, it's not real like, what do you mean I'm gonna live in a virtual thing? Yeah, my kid's already doing it, so
0: Right. Yeah. So. So. I, I. think we're living in fantastic times. I mean, all of these technologies—AR, VR, MR—it's in such a small, it's in a such a nascent stage. You know. I mean, the 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 the, the tools which is going to push it together—it's like five G or artificial intelligence. It's all coming together, and once it all converges, I think we're going to uh, live in. A, I mean, it will play a role in playing a better world, helping enterprise, education, healthcare, entertainment, gaming. So, so I personally am super excited about it. So I really enjoy this conference.
1: My, my wife works in conferences at a tech conference, a company, right? And they used to have 20,000 people show up to their conference in San Francisco or Las Vegas or, or Barcelona, Spain. And this year they're not doing that. They're doing it virtually. They already have 30,000 people signed up for the virtual conference. Now, it's a cheaper conference. It's mostly free instead of $1,000. And I think that's actually better. It's far more inclusive. You know, going to a conference, I've gone to a lot of conferences in my life. You go to South by Southwest or CES or some conference in Mumbai or something. It costs it costs a certain amount of money just to travel there. It, you have to have a hotel, which costs you know in, in America that's three hundred dollars a night at, in Vegas. Sometimes it was four fifty, right? And and then you have to pay the conference fee. You know, and going to South by Southwest. Is, uh, 800 bucks, 1,000 bucks, sometimes 3,000 bucks. Ted was $7,500, right? $7,500. So it's a very expensive conference. And that's not very inclusive. There's very few people who can afford that, right? And I think there's going to be very few people in this world that can afford that because, the, like you said, the economy is just struggling right now. So I think doing these virtual conferences is way more inclusive, and and Microsoft's conference already saw that. They saw a bigger audience. They saw a more international audience, because more people from around the world could join the conference and and attend the talks and talk with people, and uh, a more gender-diverse audience as well, because... if you're a woman and you're trying to take care of children, there's no way you're going to, to conference. Yeah. right? But now if it's all virtual, well, you can join for a couple hours in between You know, when the kids are on Zoom call for school. You can join, right? And so now you get a more gender diverse, you get a more economically diverse, and you get a more um, world diverse audience coming to these conferences all of a sudden. And I don't think that is going back. I think maybe, you know, VMware will have a physical conference again someday because people, like you said, people like to get together, but they're going to have the virtual conference as well from now on, right? And because of these advantages, it's, and, and, you know, I think that's exciting. And so five years from now, when we all have glasses on, now we can even do it virtual plus 3D, right? Uh, We could actually walk around an expo hall and pick things up with our hands and look at them and talk with somebody and see virtual screens all around. So why do we need an expo hall at that point, right? Maybe for a physical product, but wait, do you really need to see another iPhone and know that it has a better screen and a a better microphone? Yeah, or a better 3D sensor? Not really, yeah. Yeah. I watched it you know I bought a VR headset from HP and I was in the v- VR press conference. They did a great job of explaining right. what the new one did. right? I didn't need to see it to know it's better better screens, smaller size, cheaper price, but da-da, right? Right. Uh,
0: so, so I, I guess yes, uh, we we're, we're living in exciting times in AR VR. Yeah. All of this in such an nascent stage, the possibilities. I think it's e- endless, you know. And 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 the way the technology is growing, I, I'm sure we'll get into the world where you know, painted by the, the Ready Player One, I, I'm forgetting the name of the author, uh, the Steven Spielberg's movie. I, I I guess we are in the cusp of that, and, and I can see that, you know. And, and it's an exciting world. So so tell me, what, where how long do you see uh, for AR VR to go mainstream and watch a moonshot?
1: Um, when you say mainstream, um, I mean one way to define it is if I'm walking around a, a slum in Mumbai, does uh, does a good percentage of the kids have glasses on or computing in, the, in there? I mean, I saw that walking around uh, slums in South Africa and uh, Mumbai, people have a phone that right. sort of looks like mine, right? Okay. It, it's not an iPhone but it's, uh, it's a phone that you touch and that can get on the internet, has a camera, right? And you can talk to them. So, phones have gone mainstream. Okay. How many years before glasses go mainstream? Seven years? Okay. Right? Maybe ten? Yeah. Um, certainly by 2030 I think they're mainstream. Right. So, 10 years from now, I, I, I can't see a world where they're not mainstream because I know what's coming and I, I know the cost and the advantages of having these on. And, you know, it'll be an add on to the phone or it'll replace the phone. Probably in about 10 years, the, the phone is going to go away, right? You're just going right. to put on dirty glasses and compute, particularly if you have good 5G. If you have good 5G in your neighborhood, then glasses are going to be the way. And I think 5G is seven years away from most places. Right? right. For me and you, three years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe less. I I won't be shocked if by the end of 2021 I'm wearing a pair of glasses, but um, I think it'll be 2022 before I do uh, with Apple. Right. right. um And once Apple comes, I think that that wakes up the world to this idea of computing in eyeglasses. And Facebook is going to come with a Facebook is coming at a very different direction. We're we're all uh, arriving in the same place in 2030. You're wearing a pair of glasses that does VR and AR, right? And and AI, Uh, all so it recognizes objects when you look at them. You can talk to the God in the sky. Hey, hey, Siri, you know, what's up, you know? Uh, I'm
0: pondering eternity. It's taking forever.
1: See, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pondering eternity. Uh, is what's up. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, so you, you can ask Siri or Google or Facebook portal a uh, question and answers you and does things for you, right? Uh, in these glasses and in other devices. Um, so, I, I think the next two years you're going to see a lot of new things for the nerds um, and the bleeding edge people. And it'll be interesting to see how fast uh, society adopts them. Um, I, I, you know, I've, Apple came out with the Newton, and then 10 years later it came out with the iPhone. So, the first attempt might not hit. And it might take a couple more attempts um, uh, to convince people this is, this is the product you want to put on your face, right? And that process might take one year, right. might take five, might take ten, right? So that's somewhere, certainly by ten years from now,
0: this happened. Thank you, Robert. Really appreciate you being part of uh, XRM Podcast. Thank you for sharing your insight. So I personally am really excited about AR, VR, MR. So I, I do know that, that the these variables... Come with the downsides also, right? Because what happens to a world where there's a HMD, where there's inside outside tracking and sees everything? What happens to the data? Do we will 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 the spatial computing be centralized or decentralized? So that's that's another all conversation altogether. But I know that there, AR VR MR the spatial computing is going to bring in so much. Uh, 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 good things to the world. It's going to transform yeah. industries. It's going to transform education. It's, tra- it's going to transform healthcare and how we experience content. we are got to be in the content rather than watching it. So I personally am super excited about it and I'm waiting for that world to happen where we get into that world and instead of being restricted to the 2D world, we can have conversations in the 3D world where we can interact, touch feed with the uh, haptics and things like that. So I'm super excited and uh, thank you, Robert. Really appreciate you being part of XR. On podcast and to my listeners, if you like what you see in here, please press the subscribe button. Thank you, I would really appreciate.